Welcome to Cat Chat, the pet talk podcast devoted to the physical and emotional well-being of cats and their people. I'm Tracy Hotchner, the author of The Cat Bible, Everything Your Cat Expects You to Know. My mission is to entertain, educate, and inspire cat lovers like you to give kitty cats the best possible life in nutrition, affection, and environmental enrichment. This show is brought to you by Dr. Elsie's, where they speak for cats, which is what this program is all about. My co-host is the feline expert, Dr. Michael Maria Delgado, along with other cat authors and experts. The show is made possible with the generous support of Dr. Elsie's, a company privately owned by Dr. Bruce Elsie, a feline-only veterinarian whose mission has been to personally formulate a wide variety of litters for all types of cats so they keep using their litter box, which keeps them in their loving homes. Dr. Elsie also created his own cat food called Clean Protein, wet and dry foods that are specifically appropriate for a cat's nutrition needs because they're based on the protein a cat eats naturally. Clean Protein is the first dry cat food I personally can recommend because it is based on the protein found in a cat's natural prey. Please show your appreciation that Dr. Elsie's underwrites this show by choosing their products whenever you can. Dr. Michael Maria Delgado is not a medical doctor. She's a PhD behavior doctor, but she often has to interact with veterinarians when she has behavior clients who she can't help or only help up to a point. Dr. Michael, when do you when do you turn to the veterinary profession to help you and the cat slash human client with an issue? When, what are those moments, those tipping points? Yeah, it's a great question. I think most of us who work in behavior and do consultations with clients always prefer that the cat has seen a veterinarian before assuming that the behavior problem is in fact a behavior problem and not being impacted by the cat's health. So that's always the, the ideal situation is the client has an established relationship with a veterinarian and the cat has received a recent bill of health and has been specifically checked for the behavior issue that they are presenting with. And this is especially important, I'd say in a few cases, one of them being that the cat has stopped using the litter box consistently. Right, right. yes. <laughs> That's a big one that gets kind of thrown under the behavior problem label when there's often a medical issue uh, related to it. Um, when we see aggression in cats, especially when it's out of the norm, right? Extreme, right. sudden onset, the owner is unclear about why the cat is being aggressive. We're not talking about like you pet your cat and they get overstimulated and nip you, right. but that kind of... Uh, you know, 911 situation where Attack people are cat. like, <laughs> yes, um, for lack of a better term, when when the cat is showing um, a lot of like hissing and growling out of nowhere, um, sudden again, sudden increase or um, severity of that behavior. Also, if your cat's doing things like over grooming, um, so you're you're right. noticing like a lot of bald spots on your cat and they're licking themselves a lot. Of course, grooming is a natural behavior for cats. They groom a lot, but when they're giving themselves bald spots, that's beyond the norm. Um, so those are just a few quick examples of, of things that, that would, I would not see those clients until the cat had been seen by a veterinarian. I, I don't even touch those cases until the cat has been billed healthy. Um, right. But the other, other thing is that, you know, after they've established a relationship with me, I've been helping clients, there are cases where we're going to bring the veterinarian back in. Um, or we're going to, I'm going to refer that client to a veterinary behaviorist. And that's when I believe that the cat might need 
medication to help with the behavior modification. So, you know, I'm not, I don't think you should just give pills and hope the problem goes away because you're not addressing the, the main reasons for the problem in the first place, aside from the, the pet's anxiety. We still have to make sure that the environment is set up for success and that people are, are doing other things to help their pet cope with the situation. And I'd say the most common cases are situations like litter box avoidance and what we call intercat aggression, where yes. two cats are not getting along. So, Those are two situations where I see medication can be very helpful for behavior modification. But only after you, as the interventionist on behalf of the cat, which is how I kind of view you, you're there like, wait, let me advocate for the cat here. The cat <laughs> yeah. is in a multi-cat home, and they don't have enough personal space, and they don't have a place that's their own litter box and or their own food and water, which isn't, of course, right next to the litter box. So... Just that alone can relieve a lot of problems, right? And a lot of sure. stress, because stress also makes cats cranky. Sure does. I mean, I know it makes me cranky. Um, Definitely. Yeah, so. <laughs> and speaking of cranky, arthritis. Now, that's something we oh, don't talk yeah, about yeah. a lot. But mm -hmm. by the time you have a senior cat, which technically could be seven or eight years old, even though your kitty could live to 20, that's sort of, I think, the moment at which of the medical field says they're becoming senior yeah. They've got arthritis. It's not like, yep. oh, my cat's fine. No, your cat has arthritis. It's a question of how much discomfort how much? it's giving in mm -hmm. various joints and how much they're doing that excellent cat job of covering it up, which all speaks to your point, which is a complete vet workup that that tells you what where are the areas that are a, maybe a medical, physical problem for a cat, mm -hmm. which then yes. the doctor can deal with with pain medication or other interventions that have to do with that or urinary crystals or mm -hmm. things that yeah, have to do with the changes. elimination yeah. de department, if you will. Mm -hmm. So the, the tricky thing in what you just said is, oh, a veterinary behaviorist. Now, when I first, first started doing this work, so maybe 15 years ago, there were 52 veterinary behaviorists that were board-certified behaviorists on top of yep. their veterinary degree. Maybe there's yep. 70 now. I don't know the number. It's not many. It's a big nope. country. So, And they're very expensive and very booked up. So say that, a, that a, an appointment, I don't think it's ever less than $500 for a consultation. Yeah. Probably sure. could be double that in LA or you know someplace rich-ish, a rich zip mm -hmm. code. But you also could wait many, many months. So yes. we have to go back to you, the feline behaviorist, recommend that you go to that same vet with whom you have a relationship. Mm -hmm. how, how easy or hard is it for those vets to know how to use behavior medication? Because they've got to fill in the, the gaps. There aren't enough yes. veterinary behaviors to go around. Yes. So that's a great question. It really depends on the veterinarian. Um, some veterinarians are very comfortable with psychopharmaceuticals and kind of know the differences and the subtleties between some of the medications. I, of course, since I'm not a veterinarian, cannot recommend specific medications to my clients. So I am relying on the veterinarian to have some um, savvy around that. Now, right. if they're not comfortable or if the client seems concerned that their veterinarian is not going to have that knowledge, then there are veterinary behaviorists who offer vet to vet consultation. So they are talking with your veterinarian. Oh, that's and, perfect. And so that's an option. It's, a, it's much more affordable than a full consultation with a veterinary behaviorist. And it allows the um, primary veterinarian and the veterinary behaviorist to communicate about the behavior problem. The veterinary behaviorist can make specific recommendations about dosage and specific meds. Right. And so that's kind of an, an, an alternative option for people that does kind of free up that 
that cue for <laughs> veterinary behavior help. So, so there is um, definitely there are some some other resources available for people if their if their pet needs medi- behavior medication. So, I don't want it to you know be like oh good luck. Um, right, there, there right. Are other options. For no, that's sure a, that that's a great that point. Up. And those veterinary behaviorists are very available to other vets. They want to. That's why they spent another X years getting this board certification. They really care about it and they want to reach as many pets as they can. And there's only so many hours in the day, so many dollars in the bank or so many, so many liters in the gas tank, because for some people it could be a, you know, seven hour car drive to get to one of these docks. So it is almost better vet to vet because then it removes the human emotion from it. The (laughs) owner's emotion where they want to tell you the world's longest story about what Beansy has been doing recently when it really boils down to probably a line or two. Yes, and um, that's kind of like my role too, exactly. right? They can tell me all the details of the behavior problem. And often I am writing a summary for their veterinarian and connecting them with a veterinary behaviorist um, so that they can kind of, the veterinarian also doesn't have to hear the entire story. I can sum up in a couple of paragraphs yes. what's been going on with the cats and and um, why I think the cats might benefit from a consideration of, of medication. Um, but, you know, usually the other thing that I notice a lot is a lot of resistance in the client yes, about I was putting bring pet that on behavior medication. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, like I said, I'm not cavalier about it. I, I don't think that we should necessarily medicate pets who are otherwise healthy unless we need to. But there are situations where the cat is experiencing extreme stress in the environment that's impeding their ability to, say, learn to uh, behave in different ways around a cat they hate or uh, making it hard for them to cope with stress in their environment. And rehoming isn't necessarily always a good option for no. some of these cats. Definitely so, not. you know, the, the, the tricky part is that a lot of these behavior medications, um, such as SSRIs, which are selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors or tricyclic antidepressants, also known as TCAs, they don't kick in right away. So right. I'm always kind of thinking for my client, like, you know, knowing that this medication could take four to six weeks to take full therapeutic effect for your pet. Are you able to cope with that four to six weeks in the meantime? Because um, if you wait to start the medication, you know, sometimes people are like, oh, we'll just wait and see how it goes for a couple months. It's like, well, now you're pushing that potential uh, benefit of the medication out several months. And if your pet is experiencing severe anxiety now, it might be better to start that regimen sooner rather than later. You wouldn't, um, if your pet had physical pain, a broken leg, you wouldn't right. say like, let's see if, if this helps and then we'll, right. we'll reconsider in a couple months. And so it gets back to that. I think people don't see kind of emotional pain as impactful as physical pain. But as a consultant, I can tell you that it really does impact your pet's quality of life if they're experiencing severe anxiety and stress. So it, it is, I think there's, there's some, uh, challenges in getting people on board they maybe feel like there's still some stigma around mental illness and behavior or or psychopharmaceuticals that you know these medications that we use in our companion animals are the same ones that are used in humans they're just typically used off-label or there are a few that are um, specifically marketed for for pets but I I do think there's some stigma and also people have a lot of um, like they think they're, that they're somehow the cause of Correct. their pet's anxiety. Yes. Yes. So they have a lot of guilt. Yes. And, you know, I, as I tell some of my clients, you know, if you've ever experienced something like panic attacks, which I used to have regularly, um, they were not reflecting my environment, right? I wasn't, That's right. nothing was 
th- threatening to kill me, but I felt like I was going to die. Like I, you know, you had them breathe. that bad, Michael. I had tunnel vision. I did for a while. Yeah, I um, think yeah, it's. I, I appreciate you being that open <laughs> yeah. about it because I think that the stigma around mental health is that everyone's fine except for a few nut jobs, and yeah. <laughs> all of us have a sliding scale of anxiety. Exactly. I'm thinking yes. of a goddaughter who in college had to leave at one point for six months because of, you could just put it down to high anxiety. It could have lots of other fancy words if you want. But the medication that she had been on uh, had to be changed to a different one. And what's Mm -hmm. interesting about those medications, certainly in young people that are in their late teens, early 20s, and still formative, is, and it can be the same way in pets, it takes a while for it to work. And then there's the problem of those people, whether they're adult or younger, going, oh, I'm better now. And they they would stop prematurely, mm. if you will. But yeah, also yeah. they get they get d- extinguished after a while because mm-hmm. the person learns different behavior and has talk therapy the way yes. the cat has now intervention from Dr. Michael or the equivalent and the human is changing up the environment. And yes. eventually the cat could have a lower dose or maybe mm-hmm. no dose, but the stigma exactly. is there. Yes, yes. I don't yeah, have a crazy and, cat. I'm not a crazy person. <laughs> sure. But the yeah, cat and again, came that think, way. They, they brought that baggage yeah. to the party. It's how they're wired. Exactly. Yeah. And I think there there are just cats that are going to be predisposed to certain um, stress-related conditions and or weren't socialized to have good coping skills for, yes. for example, a multi-cat household. So we're, we're really just working with what, what where they're at and trying to help them. Um, to give them the best chance of a good outcome. And I will say that I've had several cases of, um, you know, severe, like marking behavior, urine marking, or severe aggression between cats that have really benefited from nice. from having the veterinarian involved and, and having the medication. And so that's why I, you know, try to, um, when I see a case that I think is going to be challenging, encourage that client to talk to their veterinarian and see if this is a good option for them. So, you know, I, I do think that, again, we have to kind of get over the stigma. And of course, yes. we do want the clients to understand a few things. One is how to medicate their pet without too much stress, right? Because you don't want the treatment to be more stressful Correct. than the cure. <laughs> Killing a cat uh, is yes. pretty torturous on both ends yeah. of the teeth. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something we can talk about another day that for sure. That would be good. And the other thing is to know, you know, the veterinarian needs to know what the side effects are and communicate those to the client because we do occasionally see um, like constipation with um, certain medications or decreased appetite and certainly lethargy is a common side effect. And so that's the hard part, I think, for a lot of people is managing or understanding the side effects and knowing when to get in touch with their veterinarian. Because just like with humans, not every medication is the right fit for every cat. That's right. And, And it takes a certain amount of patience. So as you said, the person that says, I'll wait a while, you're actually causing the cat to live in this state of emotional misery for that Mm -hmm. period of time and develop more coping mechanisms to deal with their stress and anxiety, meaning exhibit more of the behavior that is already a problem in your household. So by the time you say, okay, it's the, you don't want to get to that last straw moment, but if you say, okay, it's the last straw, this cat could be further down that road and your patience could have worn thinner. And as you know, and as you said, the side effects, you have to expect them like humans do. Humans go Mm -hmm. on Prozac or, or I don't know, there may, there's much fancier, more modern ones but they go on them and they maybe they have a little weight gain or maybe they have no appetite or maybe they sleep too much but they understand that that's part that that's kind of the the price they're going to pay till their body adjusts you're not going to be yes. like that non forever, forever. No. just yeah. till you get used to it i mean 
even high blood pressure medication and cholesterol medication can do that to people. Yeah. And they're willing yeah. to put up with the side effects because they think otherwise I'll get a heart attack. But when it's emotional, especially even for themselves and their cats, it's hard to say, this is worth it. This cat deserves to be able to kick back and enjoy life and not be in this constant state of wide-eyed, oh, my God, what is, what's going to happen in the next 15 minutes? You know, yep. it's a terrible feeling. Yes. So we yeah. have to be I empathetic. Mean, those of us that have experienced, like I said, anxiety um, ourselves, you know, understand how debilitating it can be. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I always have to be very... Um, you know, take in what my, where my clients are at with this. So I always ask them how they feel about it and when, what kind of hesitations they might have about talking to their vet about, about this topic. And so, you know, there's, there's definitely a discussion there and there are alternatives like supplements and, and, you know, stress preventing diets, but those effects are going to be much smaller. And, you know, I always try to remind people, like, have you ever, you know, eaten a turkey sandwich? Like, remember the tryptophan effect was like a very trendy right. thing. Yes, that was supposed yes, to, it like, was overstated make everybody- with the mashed potatoes that did it folks just yeah. saying <laughs> <laughs> yeah carbs. but even that was like if you had a, an anxiety issue a turkey sandwich or mashed potatoes are not going to fix your anxiety Correct. problem right well so said. you know yeah. yeah so i think we just have to you know remember to try to understand what our pets are going through and of course you know people that call me for help are, are already pretty stressed That's out right. about their situation That's right. usually so um, so, you know, I think the, the moral of the story is I think that if your if your pet is having a serious, um, behavior problem, it should be on the table and it's something you should discuss with your veterinarian and, um, and possibly a veterinary behaviorist if your veterinarian is not comfortable with that. So there's, there is help out there and it can be an important tool. It's not the only one. We still have to do the environmental modification. We still have to change the human behavior. We still have to do, you know, sometimes training or other types of behavior interventions, but it is a tool in the toolbox that we should use when appropriate. It's great advice. And I just want to thank you in wrapping up for opening up about your own experience with emotional issues, because I think that to personalize it makes it more real for people and makes it, I hope, okay for people to say, oh, yeah, I've been there too. So now I can relate better to my kitty. Thank you so much, Dr. Michael Maria Delgado, for being here all the time for the cats. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening. I also want to thank Wonderside, founded by a woman entrepreneur who discovered effective natural ways to repel fleas, ticks, and other pests on her pets and around her home instead of putting toxic chemicals in or on them. Wonderside makes plant-powered products to keep parasites at bay without the harsh chemicals that can be harmful to your cats, your property, and the planet. This show is also supported by the privately developed Magic Fabric pet throws that trap hair, dirt, and moisture when cats get up on the furniture bed or your lap. Magic Fabric Pet Throws invite kitty cuddle time without sacrificing your clothes or furniture. A final pause up to Dr. Elsie's again for all the fine products they make and their unwavering support of my mission to make life better for each and every kitty cat and their people.